Welcome, 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 everyone. This is episode 7 of OSUZ 504's Freelance, the Anti-Romance. I am your humble reader, beta reader number 3. As always, if you like this, please check out the book version available on Amazon.com or at Aussie's website at osuz504.tech. That's www.osuz504.tech. There are several other books, blogs, and other progress stories available for reading and opinions, so be sure to check it out. And now, multiclassing, because wizards run out of spells, and what does a cleric even do? The transport home was quiet, too quiet. Everyone except me and MJ7 was asleep. The second the hatch had closed and we all had the illusion of safety, everyone drifted off into dreamland, downloading their reports to corporate every time. Except this one. I couldn't sleep. As we were loading up, I'd seen the coroner clones coming to field dress and remove the human bodies, non-corporate citizens. MJ had to pull me into the truck. I shuddered, remembering, and tasted bile in the back of my throat. What the fuck is wrong with you, Zero? MJ subbed. The sub-vocal channels couldn't really convey intonation, but I sensed anger and a lot of fear. I didn't know how to respond. You know what they do to clones that can't deal. They recycle them. They decompile them. You want that? I swallowed. No. Well, then get your shit together before someone notices. I don't know what happened. Just don't do it again. I don't know what's been going on with you lately, but I won't be around to pull your butt out next time. I know. My throat felt thick. Thank you for today, I mean. Shut up. He grumbled, wedging his hum helmet between the wall and the gun anchor. Go to sleep. But I couldn't. Maybe not ever again. I felt my weapon in my hand. It was heavy. My brothers and sisters were asleep. So little effort, I thought, letting my elbows fall onto my knees. So little effort to just make it all stop. I breathed out and let the muzzle brush my headgear. No, that would never do. I took it off, letting the weapon brush my unprotected skull instead. It would be so easy. MJ shifted next to me. In a flash, shame and responsibility made me holster it and replace my headgear. Just another face, nothing to see here. My hands shook. I'm nothing. Just another number. What was I thinking, killing myself here? Ugh, I'm such a fucking asshole. Error. Biosystem nonconformity has been noted. Your supervisor has been notified. Shit. I leaned my head back against the transport and let my biosensors try to stop the swell of fear, guilt, and self-hate. Marcus sighed and closed his eyes. Knowing the author had made reading this work infinitely harder, Maybe Chris has a point. This would be so much easier if I didn't hear her voice saying these things. He rubbed his eyes. I wonder if she writes from experience? Of course she does. She tries out everything. Her books are all of her experiences. This last one. I wonder if her early works were this dark. He leaned back in his chair, letting the story drift in front of his mind's eye. It's good, but how will this work if we start dating? Will they even let me keep editing her stuff? Maybe I should get someone else to check, take her manuscripts, except there is no one. Chris, that's not really an option. He couldn't help the long sigh that slid out of him. Relationships are so complicated. When he went home that day, he seemed to see her differently. She seemed so calm and passionless. She never showed emotion. He dropped his things by the door and came to sit behind her, like usual. 
She was tapping away at the keyboard, uncomfortably wedged under the coffee table. She seemed peaceful, but in all her books, all I saw was fear, pain, suicide, suffering. Was that what she was like on the inside? Erica, I'd like to ask you something, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to. She started slightly and craned her neck backwards to look at him. Oh, hey, welcome home, sure. How much of your books are you, and how much are just imagination? Mm, she said, remaining, looking at him backwards and upside down. All of them are real experiences, they're just translated in different ways. Sometimes we have things we can't say out loud unless they're in metaphor. Is that what writing is to you? She scooted around to face him, leaning her elbows on his knees. Yes, among other things. I like that I can hallucinate all these thoughts and experiences, and for a moment, you or the reader can just look inside my brain and resonate with something in there. For just that moment, we're one person. It's like, it's like I'm drowning in all the experiences and thoughts that ever were, and you and I just happen to share this one moment. I forget myself, but I'm most myself, if that makes any sense. I want to tell your story and all the stories of what it means to be human through my favorite mental images. Otherwise, I think I would just crush myself under the weight of it, I think. He felt something turn over in his chest. She looked so earnest and serious. I never lie, she'd said. I can't. She felt so solid and stable, so sure about everything. Marcus leaned into her, holding her wrists, and skimmed his lips over her before drawing her up between his legs to wrap a hand behind her head and deepen the kiss. She was enthusiastic, too much so that her teeth clinked against his. Sorry, she murmured. That's okay. He ignored it so he could pull her up on his lap, settling her knees on either side of his thighs. Have you ever done this before? he asked, letting his hands slide up her legs to her back, one fisted lightly in her loose hair. She arched back and leaned into the hand remaining on her back. Kissing? Yes. Sexual intercourse? Sort of. He relaxed his hand in her hair, moved it to her neck, and moved between her ear and her collarbone, nuzzling and dropping soft kisses. Are you up for this? I don't want to be known as Marcus the Deflower of Virgins. She shifted her hips against his and wrapped a hand against the back of his head, sliding through his hair and scraping her fingernails down the nape of his neck. He shivered. It's better than being known as Marcus the Non-Deflower of Virgins, she said, breathing deep and leaning into him. Yes, you're the one trying to decide if he's ready. He stopped listening. There was a proper order for this sort of thing. First, they should have met in some normal bar or social event. One where she was properly dressed, fed, and looking for a relationship. Secondly, they date over the course of several weeks, doing date things like dinner, movies, trips to the park. All perfectly, adequately bland, boring events to try and care about the other person and see if they were sexually compatible without ever actually talking about it. Finally, after a sufficiently long acquaintance phase, they'd start with some light necking, heavy petting, and then maybe sex, if she was comfortable. It would be polite, awkward, and after a few times, gradually less terrible, and when that happened, they'd be officially dating. That did not happen with Erica. She pulled away from him, tugging him up to stand with her, and led him into his bedroom with a quick smile. I'm so glad you finally made up your mind, she said happily. I've been wanting to try this forever. He groaned slightly. Sweetheart. Please just lie to me and tell me that it's because you wanted to be with me and not just for your book research. Of course it's because I wanted to be with you. No reason I can't share that excitement with the world through the magic of the written word, however. She dug around the night table for something. Aha! 
She came back to him, pulled his head down to hers for a deep kiss, and promptly let him go to pull off his shirt. She ran her fingers up and down his chest, following the musculature of his ribs and arms, light feathery touches as if she was just trying to memorize the shape of him, letting her lips follow against his stomach and pectorals. Her hands were cold, which was a blessing at this point. It had been a very long time since the woman had touched him, and Marcus felt dizzy. He let his hands drop to her shoulders as she undid his pants and nudged him to step out of them, unashamedly pushing his underwear along with them. She tugged him over to the bed. Please lie down. Yes, ma'am, he said, amused. Aren't I supposed to be the one doing all the work right now? Isn't that how this is supposed to go? Oh, she stopped and looked unsure for a moment. Did you want to do this? I was going to give you a blowjob, but if you'd like to do something first, that's fine. Hearing the word blowjob come out of your mouth might be the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, he said, nervous suddenly with the thought of her touching him. She was so inexperienced and it had been a really long time for him. What if he did something stupid and... Does fellatio sound better? Absolutely not. Please never say that word again. I'm so sorry. Do whatever you want. I'm going to lay here quietly and do whatever you tell me to do. Good. What she lacked in experience, she made up for with enthusiasm. Kissing, sucking, and paying such close attention to his every move and sound, he started being suspicious she could read minds. She took her time. She listened to his body. Every involuntary shiver and stillness was cataloged and repeated until he felt like she was controlling his heartbeat with her tongue. It seemed like it lasted hours, and when he finally climaxed, it was as something had been physically ripped away from his spinal cord. Lights flashed, and for several moments, his brain seemed to only be capable of making low moaning sounds that could have belonged to a dying animal. When he recovered enough to see and hear, he saw her resting on his chest, chin on her forearm, with her thigh pleasantly pinning his hips down. Her weight was solid and deeply comforting. Not in any hurry, she just laid there, breathing with him, fully clothed, or at least as close as she got on a regular basis. Wow, he said appreciatively, and you said you hadn't really done this before, right? She nodded. But the books were really explicit, and I studied. He closed his eyes and relaxed back into the pillows. Jesus preserve me from disciplined women. She smiled and moved to leave, but he pulled her in close to slip his hands around her face and draw her in for another kiss. He could taste bitter salt on her tongue and went deeper, wanting to feel her softness underneath him. Already, she whispered, the book said that you'd need a lot longer to recover. Books don't know everything, he said, sliding his hands up the t-shirt and pulling it off so he could feel her skin to skin. So soft. Everything was soft. He let his hands pass over every inch of her that he could reach, through her hair, down her hips. Her arms came around his neck and she rocked her hips back and forth following the strokes of his fingertips. Her skin was hot and she was so pale he could see blush lines following where his fingers had stroked up and down her body and her chest was flushed a deep red, hot when he pressed his lips against it and her collarbones. Oh wait, she said, reaching over to the nightstand to hand him a condom. I got you a pack. I hope they're the right size. I had to estimate. His lips twitched. You've been planning this for a while, huh? He said as he let go of enough of her to open the pack and slip it on. She nodded. Ages. I didn't want to rush you, but wow, you took forever. I'm so sorry, he said, pressing his lips to hers and letting tongue deepen into her mouth even as he entered her. He could feel her gasp and the way her legs tightened around him and let the kiss swallow up a moan that seemed pulled out of her. It was the single most erotic thing he'd ever heard. He tried to pull back, to slow down, but his body was already moving too fast, too hard. He came again with a groan and collapsed on top of her, promptly falling asleep. He woke up as she was trying to push him off her. Mortification washed over him. 
Oh, honey, I'm so sorry, he started, immediately slipping off her. I'm so, so sorry. Are you okay? Naked, disheveled, she still seemed in a pretty good mood. Her skin was flushed pink, and her hair seemed caught up in several different halos around her face. She waved them off. Of course, it was fun. The book said that might happen. I have a feeling I'm going to get real tired of hearing the book said, although in this case I'm not going to complain, he thought. She sat up and stretched. Is it usually like that? He felt like a complete and utter asshole. No, he said miserably. It's just been a really long time since, well, I'm so sorry. I'll make it up to you next time. She gave him a quick smile over her shoulder, and he was struck by her silhouette against the light of the living room. She was stunning, a perfect hourglass figure, curvy, soft, beautiful. Why hadn't he seen that before? It's okay. It'll add some great realism to the new story. Oh, and that's why I never noticed, because she's the devil. Erica, sweetheart, please don't write about me in your books. Well, then please try to do better in bed so you can be proud of the stories. Seriously? Seriously. Don't I get any say in this, he asked. She crawled back to his side of the bed, straddled him, and pulled his head to hers for another kiss, wrapping her arms around him and holding him tight against her in a full-body hug. Of course, she said, releasing him. I just get final approval. And I can do whatever I want. Isn't that wonderful? Marcus stared up at her golden brown eyes, laughing at him. I guess I can get used to it. She kissed him again. Chapter 3. Location, location, location. Well, it's not technically hell. It's hell adjacent. Section 1. Spellcasting cards are for the weak. It seemed that coming home had now become an adventure. In newfound habit, he found himself pausing on the threshold, preparing himself, trying to not be surprised by whatever she'd done that day. He took a deep breath and opened the door. The room was strewn with metal parts. Both glass doors to the patio were standing wide open, and a cold breeze was swirling through the apartment. He was perilously afraid that was for ventilation of dangerous gases. Erica, what are you doing? All he could see was her rump as she bent over something relatively small, with a smoking device of some kind much too close to her long hair. I'm going to have to start braiding it for her every morning if she's going to be playing with fire. At his voice, her rump dropped away, and she rotated to see him and smiled brilliantly. Oh, welcome home. I made you a present. He counted to ten in his head. Yes? Will this present blow up, poison me, or otherwise destroy my property? She paused to consider. I suppose it's possible. Unlikely, but possible. He sighed. Very well. What is this thing you have made for me? Coming to sit in his usual spot near the coffee table. Cradled in her arms was a small, circular device, jet black with clear, shiny ports on the side that looked a little like eyebrows. There was a power port in the middle that looked like a mouth. You've made me a smiley face? he asked. Oh, no, no, it's much better than that. She tweaked a couple things, tapped a plate back in place, flipped the switch, and the little eyebrows lit up green. She gently released it to the ground, and it slowly motored along the floor, quite uneventfully. That's great, sweetheart. What is it? Oh. She looked a little disappointed that he didn't immediately know what it was. I made you a Roomba. Not a real one, of course, but they're so expensive, and I didn't want to spend the money, so... He blinked, remembering her apartment. Erica? Where did you get the materials, out of curiosity? Oh, at the Universal Waste Recycle Station down the street, she said cheerily. I promised I wouldn't take apart any of your stuff. He looked at her in her horrible gray sweatsuit. 
Did you wear that outside? Mm-hmm, she said, putting the remaining, remaining metallic pieces of stuff away to keep out of the little robot's mouth. Please let me burn those sweats already, Novia. It's awful. You shouldn't wear it outside. You shouldn't wear it inside, for that matter. She was ignoring him. He sat down behind her, pulling her into a hug so he could rub his face in her hair and wrap his arms around her. Thank you for the robot, Dulzura. It's cute. And it has a Dyson suction motor, she said proudly. It sucks. He chuckled. So glad. She leaned back against him. Does this mean we're dating now? Hmm? He said, distracted and too comfortable to ruin it with words. We've been dating a while. She craned her neck back into the side to see him. Then why did you keep saying we weren't? I don't know, Dozura. Don't make me explain my emotions to you. But please, just pretend that you don't have any more questions about my thought processes so that I can enjoy snuggling with you, quietly, peacefully. She shook her head. It must be so confusing to be in your head, Marcus. All your wires are so tangled up in there. She wriggled until she was a little more comfortable and patted his hand. Good thing you have me to keep all this organized for you. Yep, he nuzzled her ear. I'm basically just trading housekeeping for sexual favors at this point. There was a long pause. So, if I just made you a Roomba to help with the housekeeping, does that mean I have to fuck the Roomba? Such language, Dosura. I'd prefer you didn't. You're already pretty weird. I'm not sure I can explain you even if people didn't know you were screwing the domestic help. He paused. Oh dear, I'm the domestic help, aren't I? Oh well. Humans are amazing, she repeated. I'm not that weird. Am I? I like you just the way you are. But yes, you are inexcusably weird. And we have definitely need to get you new clothes so that the neighbors don't call the cops on you thinking a homeless person wandered into the building. There was another pause. The cat, who'd been watching the not Roomba in the pose of all cats about to do something stupid, suddenly pounced on the little robot and climbed up its flat top to sit and ride ears cocked forward attentively. Erica said, I wonder if the motor can deal with the extra... At that moment, there was a loud pop and a small spurt of flame shot out of the side of the contraption, singeing the cat's tail. Kitty screeched and launched himself to the other side of the room, scrabbling up the face of a bookshelf, tearing books from their place, as he made a mad scramble to the top, hissing at the black robot once he got there. For a moment, neither Erica nor Marcus moved. A lone book teetered and fell to the floor with a thunk. Shall I get the fire extinguisher then? Marcus asked dryly. Oh, no, it's just a little one. I'm pretty sure I can fix it. Oh, good. Please don't burn down my house. Section 2. Random encounters only work if you have difficulty checks memorized and the monster manual tabbed. Beep, 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 beep. Marcus opened bleary eyes, hit the snooze button, and went back to sleep. Beep, 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 beep. He hit the snooze button. Beep, 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 beep. He hit the snooze button. Beep, beep. A warm body slithered on top of him, opened the back plate of the alarm clock, removed the batteries, and threw them across the room. The warm body remained on top of him. Both went back to sleep. Fifteen minutes later, Marcus started awake, glanced at his now non-functional alarm clock, made an annoyed sound, and checked his phone. Shit. 
He swore and attempted to extricate himself from bed without waking up the blonde lump that had currently taken over the entire mattress. He moved to the bathroom, starting his morning routine. Ugh, he heard from the bedroom. Shut up! Do you have to gargle and spit that many times? An annoyed Erica appeared, wrapped in his comforter, glasses hastily shoved onto her nose, hair a mess. Gargle once, once, then spit. She paused to grab the door. And do it with the door shut. Some of us are trying to sleep. She slammed the door. He turned off the sink and got dressed. Erica, Dozora, I have to go to work. There's breakfast for you if you want any. He sat next to the lump that had buried itself in a massive comforter. He rubbed the top of it. Are you hungry? No, said the lump. Sleepy. Okay. You know, if you didn't stay up until two in the morning, you probably wouldn't have to be so sleepy. The comforter was abruptly flung off, revealing irritated honey-brown eyes and a poof of dark blonde hair. If someone would just get up when his alarm clock went off, I would still be asleep, she said, glaring at him accusatorily. And who uses an alarm clock? What is this, the fifties? Use your phone, like an American. She pulled the comforter back over her head. Bye, baby. Don't burn down the house. He patted the comforter again. Inarticulate mumbling came from the softness. Oh, and the Chicago bookless party is tonight. Make sure you're ready by five. I'll come back to pick you up. A poof of hair reappeared. No, I told you, I'm not going. You have to go, Dozora. It's to plug your book for the Hugo Awards. <sighs> she pulled the comforter back over her head. I hate those things. Be ready by five. Be ready by five, she repeated, sotto voice. I don't want to. Do it. Merp. Bossy, bossy, bossy. He kissed the top of the comforter. She peeked out and caught his face for another kiss. Your breath is terrible, he whispered. Go brush your teeth. Go away, she said. I'm going to have nightmares of drowning in mouthwash. Five tonight, Dozura. Yes, yes, bossy McBossy pants, five, she mumbled, huddling deeper into the comforter, hiding her head again. No. Marcus crossed his arms and tried to put a stern expression on his face. I should have known this would happen. Erica looked down at herself. Why not? You can't wear jeans and a flannel shirt to a party like this. You look like a small-town lesbian. She frowned at him. It's not my sweats. Why are you fussing? It's fine. All my bits are covered. I should have seen this coming. She stuck her nose in the air. Great. Well, if I can't go, I'm getting the sweats back out, and I'm finding something to read. He grabbed her by the collar. We're going shopping. No, we're not, she said definitively. I hate shopping. I'll just sign up for one of those online fashion services. Not enough time. Let's go. Nope. She sat down. I don't think you heard me the last time. I hate shopping. I will happily wear anything you want me to, but don't make me go outside and deal with a store. He rolled his eyes. I don't know your size or what you like to wear. Sweats. I like to wear sweats. And I'm small. There. She grabbed a book and stuck her nose in it, refusing to look at him or speak to him. Hello, sir. Can I help you? Marcus glanced at the lady in relief. He needed a suit, something casual, presentable, something formal, and a coat. Yes, I need a suit, something casual but presentable, something formal, and a winter coat for a petite woman. She's blonde, she hates wearing clothes, and she's ruining my life. He glanced at his watch. 
and I need all of this within the next fifteen minutes. The lady blinked at him. Oh, do you know her size? He sighed. I'm guessing around a six, maybe? She looked uncomfortable. We really would recommend that the woman come in here and try things on for herself. I know, I know, but she's the devil, so we must make allowances. Please help me. She has medium boobs, full hips, short-ish torso. Do you know what color she likes? He brought up a quiz on his phone. She's a winter. The lady chuckled. Fair enough. She led him to a chair. One second. What size shoe does she wear? Four, I think. Ten minutes later, he was checking out of the department store, profusely thanking the sales lady. She laughed. It was fun. You can bring them back if she hates them or if they don't fit. Do you need makeup for her? He shuddered. God, no. There's no way I could make that happen. She'd look like a clown. The lady laughed again. Good luck, she called as he was leaving. He stormed back into the apartment, pulling out the new black dress and blazer. Up, he said, pulling Erica off the couch and stripping her out of the sweats. Wear this. He handed her the dress, stretchy enough to fit over her without needing an exact size, and dense enough fabric to keep her girly bits all together without needing a bra. He was pretty sure she didn't have one. She pulled it on, buttoning the blazer over it. Modest? Check. Professional? Check. Reasonable fit? Check. He handed her the shoes. That sales lady needs a promotion. She looked at his outstretched hands. I can't wear heels. What do you mean you can't wear heels? All women can wear heels. I can't. Never have worn them. He looked down at the modest two-inch shoe. It's just a little heel. I'll fall over. We're late. He thrust them at her. Wear them. I'll carry you if I have to. Turn around. He positioned her at his feet and sat on the couch, brushing out her hair. It was thick and wavy, a rich wheat blonde that felt good in his hands and reached to the middle of her back. Pretty. Soft. Unconsciously, he slowed the brush to enjoy the coolness over his fingers as he untangled it and corralled it into a single French braid down her back, tying it off at the bottom with a bit of string. I didn't know you could braid hair, she said. I have a teenage daughter, he replied. It's part of the dad handbook. There. He said, pleased with his handiwork. She could have used some jewelry or just a hint of makeup, but she was presentable and professional with her thick-rimmed black glasses. Come on. He grasped her hand and pulled her out the door. She promptly fell. Ouch. He helped her up. You really can't walk in heels, can you? I tried to tell you, she said, leaning heavily on him. I can't feel my feet and shoes, and I don't have any balance. Just lean on me, I guess. We'll go slow. Hey. She whispered to him conspiratorially in the lift. I'm not wearing any underwear. That's because you don't own any, you crazy woman. Still, it's true. Hush, and don't tell anyone else that. Okay. At the party, he saw one of the most remarkable transformations he'd ever seen, and he rapidly understood why Erica hated these events so much. At the door, she suddenly went mute. She handed her coat over woodenly, refusing to make a sound, even at the courteous greetings of the director and the executives. They tried to talk to her about her book. They thanked her for developing such a well-received series. She stayed quiet for so long, Marcus finally answered for her, providing pleasantries and some description of the next book before they moved along to another group. She clung to Marcus's elbow, mostly because of her terrible balance, but through his arm he could feel her shaking every time someone talked to her. Veronica came up to make small talk. Erica stared at her shoes and stayed silent. What's with her, Veronica asked. Is she sick? 
No. He glanced at the normally vivacious person next to him, now mute and miserably shaking. She doesn't do well in crowds, evidently, and doesn't do well as a center of attention. Well, she'd better get it together for her speech. At the word speech, Erica's head snapped up, and she immediately pulled Marcus's head down to hers. No speech, she hiss whispered. I can't. You didn't say anything about a speech. I didn't know about it, he whispered back. Veronica, I didn't realize she was going to have to speak in public. Why else would we be doing this, Veronica retorted. The whole point of this is to build up some marketing, let her charm the literary reviews, put her in front of a couple of award judges so they can nominate her books this year. She cast a disparaging look at the ball of misery next to him and said, Sales is going to be pissed if she can't get her shit together. I better get Isaac. She searched for him in the crowd, saying, Excuse me, and moving away. Erica muttered, The music was too loud, no one will hear me. I'll make sure they turn it down. The room is too big. Marcus glanced at the medium-sized lobby, tasteful decor, unobtrusive mic, and catering station in the corner. The room is fine. I shouldn't speak in public. He straightened her jacket, brushed crumbs from who knows where, she didn't even eat anything, and tucked a loose curl behind her ear. Just thank the nice people for throwing you a party, say that you were surprised and gratified by how well your last book did, and that you're looking forward to seeing people's reactions to the next one. If you're feeling good, thank the chief editor and director for believing in you, and say how much of a privilege it is to work with such great people. Then get off the stage. She was silent. It'll be okay. I'll be right here when you get back. We'll shake a couple hands. We'll go home. It'll be fine. Marcus craned his hand, head to see Veronica earnestly talking to a tall man in a suit. The suit gestured intensely and scowled at her. She shrugged and jabbed her head in his direction. The man in the suit made a beeline for Marcus. Okay, Erica, so Isaac is about to come talk to you. Just try to relax. Hello, hello, said a deep voice. Erica Kane, right? Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure. Love your books. They're great, really. The man had taken a hold of Erica's arm and was physically shaking her hand, hard enough to make her glasses slip down her nose. Yeah, so everyone is just real happy you're here, so we're going to have you say a couple words, quick thing, and then I want to introduce you to a couple folks. Erica glanced at Marcus, a wordless plea for help, as the tall man started to drag her away. She tripped and had to hold herself upright by leaning on the stranger. Marcus made shooing motions with his hands at her. Isaac produced a mic from his pocket, flipped it on, and tapped obnoxiously. obnoxiously. Hello? 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 Ah, is this thing on? Strained laughter twittered around the room. Folks, thank you all so much for coming out today, and thanks to the book list for giving up their lobby for this little shindig tonight. We're just so happy to see all these great readers and fans here to support our author. Isaac shoved Erica a little forward. She promptly lurched, catching herself awkwardly at the last minute before readjusting her glasses and staring at the floor. Isaac looked a little nonplussed. Uh, anyway, so please help me welcome the Lady of the Hour, Erica Kane, title author for Underdog Presses. Applause. Isaac shoved the mic into her hands. She managed to hold on to it, and Marcus cheered a little in his head. Uh, yes, hello. I'm Erica Kane. I wrote Terraforming, the series. Um, thank you for coming out today. It's a real pleasure to meet fans, and it's also an honor to be put up for the Hugo this year, so thank you for that. 
She seemed to be perking up a little, and Marcus got a bad feeling. She stood up a little straighter. So, I know that most of these awards are just corrupt political maneuvering based on power trades and bribes that have nothing to do with the writing, so even though the awards are fundamentally flawed and basically meaningless, I do really like knowing people like my writing, especially since I'm a woman, and you know fantasy and science fiction are famous for really screwing over women and minorities. It is really interesting that only 13 women have won the award since inception in 1970, and none of those have been women of color, so there's that. Yeah. Marcus placed a hand over his face. We're going to get sued. And you know, since all the judges are white men, you know, that looks kind of suspicious. But you know, the editors over at Underdog have been great. I really like working with my current editor, and he's really been bringing out some good creative juices in me lately. I think that's probably because we just started having sex, and I've been doing some wonderful things with romance writing that will add a lot of depth and complexity to my characters in this upcoming novel and terraforming. Marcus let his other hand creep up to cover his face, feeling the burning gaze of the crowd, including his boss and the sales manager. I hope that you all really enjoy it, since he says that I need to focus on, you know, like really humanizing the characters and bringing in some softness. So I'm really looking forward to that and all the patience that Underdog has had for me in this journey. I mean, I didn't even have underwear to wear to this thing tonight. A thread of nervous laughter rippled around the room. Well, I still don't, but my editor bought me all these clothes so I could come see you all, so they, you know, take very good care of their authors. The laughter intensified. Marcus dropped his hands and made his way to take the microphone away from her, but Isaac was already ripping it out of her hand. There you go. Wasn't she funny? That's the kind of ironic wit you have to be careful with in some of these authors, am I right? Please enjoy the open bar. Thanks so much for coming. He clicked the mic off and dragged Erica out of the room. She kicked off the shoes so that she could follow behind him without falling over, and Marcus picked them up and followed. He could feel Veronica tracking through the crowd towards them like a shark in the water. Isaac had a hold of Erica's arm and had pulled her in very close and was whispering something to her. She couldn't seem to look at him, trying instead to pull her arm out without breaking eye contact with the floor. I don't understand, Marcus heard her say. I did what you told me to do. I told them about the next book, and I said a nice thing about the press. Please let go of me. Isaac's response was too low for him to hear, but Erica frowned at him. But it was the truth. What's wrong with saying what is? Marcus finally caught up to them, gratefully laying a hand on Isaac's shoulder. I'm so sorry, Isaac. Ooh. That was the most eventful speech I bet you've heard in a while, huh? Marcus, she just insulted several judges on the board, basically implied we were all racist and sexist, and then talked about having sex with her editor and not wearing underwear. Please enlighten me as to what I'm supposed to do with that. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Now, the upside is that it's probably going to go viral, and you can't pay for that kind of publicity. Did anyone have their phone on for it? I did, said Veronica. She turned to Erica. Are you fucking my editor? Erica nodded. Interesting, she said. I'm reasonably certain we're not legal, legally liable for a conflict of interest disclosure for that, but just because you're not in acquiring. She turned to Isaac. We should definitely put this speech up on social media. It's hilarious. He scowled at her. Well, sure, but I thought we were trying to get her put up for the Hugo. Victoria waved that off. Nope, I'd rather people just think she's a freak and buy her book. He shrugged. That's easy enough. I have a friend over at Harper I can send it to as well. He's always up for a good laugh. I'm sure he'll post it on his website. Good job, Miss Kane. Provided you're okay with becoming known as an absolute basket case, I think you're going to sell a lot of books. Someone might even want to do an interview with you to see what kind of nonsense you can come up with on live TV. 
Oh no, Erica said, waving her hands out in front of her. I'm even worse on stage or TV. Words just come out, and I can't stop them. Veronica patted her. Sounds good. I feel like this is going to be a profitable experience. Marcus, keep doing what you're doing. I'll want to talk to HR about this at some point, so check in with me on Monday. Uh, yes, ma'am. He tugged on Erica's hand. Come on, we're going home. Wasn't I supposed to talk to some people and sign some books? That was before you decided to humiliate both of us in public. He started to pull her towards the street, and she stumbled after him. Marcus, are you mad? Yes, I'm mad. Because I said we were sleeping together? Yes, and because you couldn't be normal for one night. He jerked a little harder than he intended, and she stumbled behind him, catching her foot on something in the lobby. Ouch, he heard her exhale a little in pain. He thrust her shoes at her without turning around. Put your shoes on. No, he sighed. See? All you were supposed to say was hello, smile, wave, say something nice about the press, shake some hands, wear shoes. That was it. Instead, you have some sort of mental breakdown, refuse to talk to the people that want to throw money at you, and then you spout off with the most intimate details of your wardrobe and sex life. Sheesh. How weird can you be, Erica? I tried to tell you I wasn't good at this sort of thing. Her voice sounded exhausted, dull in a way he hadn't heard before. He deliberately ignored her, focusing on calling a lift and shoving her into the car. She sat dejected in the back seat, not even staring out the window, just twisting her hands back and forth and rocking slightly. Stop that, he said curtly. Stop what? Rocking. Why? It's annoying. She didn't pay attention to him. When the car stopped, she refused to get out, pointing at the blacktop and then her bare feet. My feet hurt. He tried to hand her shoes to her again. She refused them. Oh, for God's sakes, fine. He hauled her out of the car and lifted her piggyback style onto his back to carry her into the apartment. You're being such a baby about this whole thing. Sorry, Marcus, but I did try to tell you. This kind of thing happens when I leave the house. That's why I try not to. He felt himself softening just a little. She sounded very young and very sad. He carried her up to the apartment, ignoring the stares of his neighbor in the elevator, even nodding cordially to them, feeling his own face flush in embarrassment. He felt her bury her face in his neck and wrap her arms around him like a little kid. It made him feel badly for yelling at her. He kicked his shoes off at the doorway and deposited her gently on the couch, once they were safe in their own home. As he did so, he noticed that one of her feet was bleeding sluggishly and both were an odd blue color, as if bruised. I'm sorry, though, Zura. Your feet really did hurt, didn't they? Did I get her the wrong size? I could have sworn I wrote down the right number. Hold still. I'll get something for them. He found a pair of soft socks and some band-aids and gently bound up her feet after cleaning them with a washcloth and wrapping them with a hot towel as almost apology. I thought she was just being difficult. Why didn't you say that the shoes hurt you that much, he said, helping her out of her blazer. She sighed. It seemed really important to you that I wear them. I'm sorry I made you angry. I just can't do... She waved her hands vaguely out at the glass doors to his patio. Real world stuff. It never comes out right. She started massaging her hands again, starting that slight, odd, rocking motion. Her hair had started to come undone with the rough handling and long curls of blonde hair framed her face. He undid the rest of it and sighed, moving between her legs and resting her forehead on hers, stilling her motion. Dozura, we have to try to work on your public thoughts versus your private thoughts. 
It's okay to speak the truth, but sometimes you can choose which truth is most appropriate for the world to hear, okay? She nodded, still miserable. Oh, no, yeah, I'm so sorry. He pressed his lips to her temples and framed her jaw with his fingers. I'm sorry I got mad. You did tell me you had trouble with this kind of thing, and you told me that your feet hurt. I just didn't hear you. He kissed her, brushing his lips against hers very, very softly. I will try to listen better to you in the future, okay? Her cold little hands came up to rest on his wrists. You aren't mad at me anymore? He shook his head, stroking his thumb down her neck and placing soft kisses from her ear to her collarbone. And you aren't embarrassed by me? She asked, letting one hand follow his arm down to his heart and resting it there as if she could tell the truth just by feeling his heartbeat. He put one of his hands on hers, holding it tighter to his chest. No, Novia, I'm not embarrassed by you. Sometimes I forget you need to be treated a little differently, that's all. She pressed against him in a full-body hug of relief, wrapping her legs around his waist. Oh, good. I'm glad you don't hate me. People hate me so quickly. Before I even know it, they throw me out, and I never know why. He nestled against her neck and stroked his hand up and down her back. No, I don't hate you. I'm not going to throw you out. I'm so glad. She pulled his shirt, running her fingers along the muscle group, stopping to see her own pale skin against his darker brown before bringing him close and kissing him. With one hand, she loosened his pants and tightened her legs around him. Wait, 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 he said. Bedroom. He slipped his arms around her and rolled her tighter to his chest. Hang on, please. I don't want to hurt your feet. She stuck to him, face buried in his neck, until he laid her on the bed and moved over her. She smiled at him. We're going to have to start putting condoms in all the rooms, so that way we have maximum flexibility. We don't need to do that. Come on, it pays to be prepared. What if I just promise to make love to you in the bedroom forever? She screwed up her face. That's pretty boring, isn't it? We have literally only been together a week. How can you possibly be bored? I'm not, she said, grabbing him to bring him close again with a deep kiss. I like this very much. She shifted to ride her dress up a little more and wrapped her legs around him. Erica, wait, I want to... Maybe later. I'd like you inside me now, please. Even as she angled her hips and gasped at the contact, arching her back. Marcus pressed his face against her hair and relaxed into her heat, letting her set the rhythm with her hips, alert to the tiny sounds and tension flooding through her. Slow, steady rhythm. He could feel her nails on his back, on his butt. It felt like golden light had enveloped him and all he could hear was her breathing and the steady instructions transmitted through her hands. Bone-deep contentment and a wash of tingling sensation made him lose the rhythm and plunge more deeply into her, fisting his hand in her hair and slipping over the edge. When he woke up again, he moaned in sheer disgust at himself. Again? What, am I fifteen? Seriously. Erica... He started only to see that she had turned them on their sides and was fast asleep, tucked protectively in the cradle of one of his arms, facing him, one leg still wrapped around him comfortingly with her arms snuggled in close to her face. Her hair fell over the top half of her body, making her look like an image of Aphrodite emerging from the sea. So sorry, Zozora, he whispered as he pulled the covers over them. Maybe I should read one of her books. Section 3 Traps are usually too complicated for players. They dumb. Hey, Marcus. Marcus glanced up, a little surprised. Oh, hi, Chris. They hadn't spoken much since their little tiff. The other man rubbed the nape of his neck. Yeah, sorry I kind of dropped off the face of the planet. I hear you and Justin are keeping the game going. Marcus nodded. You're welcome to come back. 
No, Chris shook his head. My personal life is kind of a mess right now. Okay, sure, yeah. I did see this, though. Chris held up his phone with a YouTube rendition of Erica's speech. Marcus moaned and pressed his eyes closed. Please no, it was bad enough being there in person. Chris laughed. It did cheer me up quite a bit. Veronica was playing it in the break room this morning. God, Marcus exhaled. She's the devil. Veronica or Erica? Take your pick. Chris relaxed. It's okay. They posted this one up on our website last night, and someone put it on social media. You're famous. As long as it sells books, I'm sure it's fine. Chris patted him conciliatorily on the shoulder. It's hilarious. Oh, and Impulse has put two and two together, so Tina is mapping all of Erica's romance storylines to see if it's you modeled in them. I think she's putting together suggestions for sex scenes for Erica. Marcus jumped up, terror in his heart. No. Yes. He grabbed Chris's arm. You don't understand. If she suggests anything, Erica will test it out. There was a moment of awkward silence before Marcus took off towards the elevator. Erica? Erica? Marcus shot through the front door, dropping his things with a thump, holding his girlfriend's latest romance novel that he had just picked up from Tina at Impulse. Erica was standing on the patio, letting snow fall onto her face, eyes closed. Erica, stop that. You're going to catch a cold. She didn't open her eyes. Welcome home, she said dreamily, leaning over to kiss him, eyes still closed. You can't catch cold. He paused to feel her lips on his. They were dry and cold. He had a momentary image of her as the queen of air and darkness, something out of a Dunsany novel. He shook it off. I believe you are capable of anything you set your mind to. I read your new book, Penelope. Ah, she looked expectantly at him, and he obligingly waved the new volume in front of her face. So, imagine my feelings when I read this. Marcus wrapped his arms around her, pressing her close to him as he carried her to the bedroom, layering kisses on her and pressing her into the bed. If only he lasts a little longer, thought Brenna. I want to feel him all night. He snapped the book closed. You use my name. No, she said, pointing to the word. It's spelled with a K. People know you and I are together, and you wrote my name in there with almost a word-for-word description of what we do together in private. Well, that one part, sure. I mean, I thought it would add some realism. The rest of the scenes are just my fantasies and material I pulled out of the reference books that I thought would read as sexy. He shook it at her. You can't put my real name and our real activities in your books. She, her chin twitched. Of course I can. It's funny, and it's a good story. No, 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 Erica, please, please remember public versus private information. I do not want to be in your book, under my actual name. But there's a K in it, not a C. She took the book from him and pointed to the name. There, see? Mark K us totally different. It's the same name. The character is a let's see here. A slender five ten Latino with light build, soft gentle brown eyes and wavy brown hair cut short with a hint of a five o'clock shadow highlighting high cheekbones and an aquiline nose. That's me, Erica. You described me, and you named him Marcus with a K. Tina from work today asked me how accurate your descriptions of my anatomy are. You were very precise in your word choices. I like bringing realism to my writing. What can I say? He groaned. Erica, sweetheart, please listen to me. Please change the names, at least. Or even better, don't write about me. The whole office bought a copy of the book so they could make fun of me. You're ruining my life. 
She smiled at him. What a great sales boost. And look, it's a K. It's a totally different name. <clears throat> she kissed him and patted him on the cheek. It's okay, really. There are just a few scenes that I stole for verisimilitude. In the rest of the book, you're a sex god. Does that make you feel any better? No. There is so much about this that I find disturbing. He glanced down at her feet. They were a blue-purple color, and the gash still not healed on one of them. That's odd, he thought. It's been over a week. Come in from the cold and go take a hot shower. Your feet are almost frozen. He gave her an odd look. Didn't you notice? She shook her head, stripping off her clothes blissfully, and he pulled her into the apartment and shooed her into the bathroom. Our neighbors must love us. Section 4. Experience Points only the DM ever counts, and no one can do math anyway. I watched your girlfriend's speech, said Justin, fiddling with his dice set as Ryan leveled up his character. Ouch, buddy. That's intense. You're telling me, said Marcus as he grabbed a handful of chips and flipped through the player's handbook. You can't see my face in the video, but I'm pretty sure I started crying partway through. Hey, can I use my amulet to recharge my wondrous figurine multiple times a day? No, Justin said absently. It just works once a day. Otherwise, you'd be calling animals the whole time because you're a giant sap. That's true. You should invite her to come play with us next time. Marcus raised his eyebrows. She's kind of special. You saw her. Justin shrugged. We need another player, at least. Why not? She looks fun. How many people do you know that would do something like that and be genuinely confused about why people are laughing at her? Don't remind me. Marcus shuddered. I'm basically a babysitter with sexual privileges. He stopped. Wait, that came out wrong. Ryan chimed in. I'm going to read her books, the sex ones. I can't wait to see what she does to you in bed. Shut up, kid, Marcus said. You're about a hundred years too young to read that trash. It'll rot your brain. Hey, I'm almost 20. I'm not a virgin or anything. Besides, I think it'd be funny. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious, Marcus muttered under his bread. Hilarious for everyone else. Think about my feelings here. How would you like it if your girlfriends wrote about all your intimate secrets and then published them to several million people around the world? Oh, it'd be awful, said Justin gleefully. I can't wait to read them. Fuck, said Marcus. Fuck you both. Oh, was that in one of the books? We get a cameo? Marcus threw a book at Justin's head. I'm home, Marcus called softly as he stepped into the doorway, surprised to see the lights still on and people still awake. Welcome home, Erica returned. She and Elena were laid out on the floor, earnestly bent over something. The smell of singed hair wafted through the room. What are you doing, he said, suspiciously, moving around the couch to see what had captured their attention. Erica shushed him with an absent wave of her hand. No, 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 don't put the iron directly onto the board. Touch the wire to the iron. There you go. Now just drop the solder to the connection. Nope. Move your tweezers to the left so you can make a clean joint to the plate and good. The two women were bent over a soldering iron and what looked like the insides of a coffee maker. Erica glanced up at him. Micah's first robot. She motioned towards it. Behold, an Anduino automatic cat feeder. He glanced at the cat in question, who was curled up on Elena's back as she labored over his new food bowl. It's not going to poison him or catch on fire? Erica scowled. I fixed the knot Roomba. It hasn't caught on fire for days. Nope, this will be great. 
Elena attached some wires into the connection port and fired up Erica's laptop to start typing arcane things into a program that looked like something out of a Hollywood hacker drama. Dad, can we get a TV? No. Why? He gestured to the stacks and stacks of books. Where would we put it? Why do you want a TV? Oh, there are some cool streaming services that run like Robot Wars and other old shows Erica was telling me about. I thought it'd be fun for us to watch. Robot Wars? Yeah, teams get together and fight battle robots. It's like the team I'm on, except, you know, fun and not just nerds trying to compete for something. I think your club is great, honey. She rolled her eyes. Well, yeah, but you're my dad. I mean... But building an autonomous claw for industrial applications isn't nearly as cool as building something that can, like, unfold a chainsaw and destroy things, is it? He turned to Erica. What are you teaching her? Nothing! Don't worry, it's just for inspiration. Your inspiration should be illegal. It might be in California. Elena hit enter. Nothing happened. Aw, shit. Language, mija. Erica swears all the time, Elena muttered. Erica pulled the computer over to her and corrected a few lines of code. This time, when she hit enter, the coffee maker thing lit up green and a welcome banner spammed across the interface. Go get some cat food and we'll fill it up. Okay. Elena leapt to her feet, making Kitty yowl. The abused animal stretched and then climbed into Marcus's lap for safety. Elena dropped the food into the machine, closed the top, and disengaged the wires, placing it back in its usual spot. A small ding chimed and a bit of kibble discharged. Kitty promptly forsook Marcus's lap to investigate. Daddy, I made a thing, Elena said excited. Isn't this great? And we only lit a little bit of Erica's hair on fire. Jesus. Let me see. Erica moved to bring the robot to him. No, uh, Erica, come here. Let me see the damage to your hair. Erica sat at his feet so he could inspect her hair, combing through it with his fingers. I was just going to cut it off, she said dismissively. Mm, it's not it's not too bad. Elena, baby, would you go get me the scissors, please? Scissors. Scissors, said Erica, rolling the word around on her tongue. Late Middle English from French scissores, modified from the Latin scissorium, meaning to cut. That's a great word. It makes me think of blue metal, and it tastes like pennies. Wow, said Elena, handing her dad the scissors. Can you do that with all words? Erica nodded. Marcus held, held her head still. No moving, Doctora. Do you have like a photographic memory or something? Continued Elena. No, Erica said. It's called an eidetic memory. Oh, what's that? Photographic memory. Uh, wait. Didn't I just... Marcus sighed and snipped off the abused hair. It means that she can perfectly recall specific images with a high degree of precision after a limited exposure, but it'll fade quickly unless she uses another mechanism to embed it in her memories. I think she's a synesthete, so she processes data using all five senses in order to retain more information and recall it quickly. Both women looked at him in surprise, Erica craning her head back in shock. He tapped her forehead lightly. I've been reading up on you, professora, and stood up to throw the offending hair away. I figure if you are going to ruin my life, I might as well know how or why you were doing it. Erica beamed at him. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Marcus blinked, a little nonplussed to realize she might be right. 
<clears throat> anyway, good job on the robot, Micha. I'm looking forward to seeing your nerd competition in a few months. Elena tried to hide her excitement. Yeah, whatever. It's no big deal. Mm. Marcus's lips twitched. Oh, Erica, I thought maybe you'd... Well, you probably don't have any interest in this, but a couple of my friends and I were thinking you might want to join our Dungeons & Dragons game next week. You know, the one I do every Friday? Oh, is that what you do? I don't think I was listening. What's Dungeons & Dragons? Elena shot him an outraged look. Daddy, why would you ask Erica and not me? I've wanted to play for ages. You have? He said, taken aback. But it's for nerds. Teenage girls don't usually like it, and all my friends are older. She stuck her hands on her hips. I'm on the robotics team, Dad, and the math team. How much more nerdy do I have to get? Aren't those pretty good prerequisites? She crossed her arms. I want to play. Sure, sweetie. I'm sorry. I should have asked you. Erica? What's Dungeons and Dragons? He blinked. It's a role-playing game where your capabilities and choices are determined by statistical chance and a mathematical structure. He looked at her. How have you never heard of this? She shrugged. Does it require playing with other people? He nodded. Well, there you go. I've never had friends. Oh, Erica, Elena said. That might be the saddest thing I've ever heard. Erica didn't seem to mind poking through her books again looking for something. Yeah, sounds good. I'd love to try it. Marcus dug out his player's handbook and handed it to her. There you go. New book with new rules. Have at it. Elena sighed. It would be so great if I could just live here all the time. I'll have to start with you in a couple weeks when it's not mom's week. She threw herself into the bed desk, currently transformed to bed mode. Mom's just so boring. You could just stay here, Marcus said. I wouldn't mind. Me neither, said Erica, flipping through the handbook. Hey, this is pretty neat. Marcus ignored her. He had a feeling they would be talking a lot about D&D &D as soon as she figured out what all the rules were. No, oh, I love my mom, and I should have a relationship with her, blah, 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 blah. It's okay. Erica, can I borrow some books for next week? Sure. What do you want? And just bring them back, please, when you're done. Okay. Elena gave her a side, an odd side-lined look to her dad. I was thinking of borrowing that citrus series. Is that okay? Erica's head came up. She seemed very surprised. Citrus? That's an interesting choice. Sure. It wasn't one of my favorites, but it was enlightening. Go ahead. Again, the odd sideline-long glance to Marcus. His father's spidey sense started to tingle. It's just a book, though, he thought, blowing off the feeling. Anything Erica has is likely to be educational and good for her. I'm sure it's fine. Marcus rolled over and inhaled the clean rain scent next to him, flavored with just a tiny bit of burned hair. Tozura, he whispered, are you still awake? No. What is Citrus about? High school girls falling in love. Oh, anything I should know about it? No, there are some racy kissing scenes, but it's a sweet story. Good. He cuddled her tighter and fell back to sleep. Justin sat back expectantly and started to get out the dungeon master screen and dice. Now, Erica, sometimes building a character can be kind of tough, so if you want any help, just let me know. Marcus smirked. Hold on to your butts, folks, he murmured to himself. Erica shoved her glasses higher on her nose. No, thank you. She pulled out a complicated character sheet. A character sketch she'd done herself, 
a miniature she'd carved, and a handmade spellbook she'd converted from the pilot checklist she got in an army sur surplus store. She made a small reference stack with Xanthar's Guide to Everything, the Dungeon Master's Guide, and what was obviously a fairly considerable short story printed out on computer paper. Wow, said Ryan, pulling the character sheet to him to see what she'd created. You went all out. She nodded. There's another 20 pages or so of backstory on her. She pulled out a second copy of the short story and handed it to Justin. I'm playing a black tiefling grave cleric multiclassed with a moon-circled druid. I also took the liberty of writing up which artifacts I get and selected a feat. Marcus said I got to pick one of each. She pulled the character sheet away from Ryan to hand to Justin. I also created a digital library for all the rules copies and wrote a campaign story for you in case you get bored with just reading the module. Justin took the sheet and blinked at her. Um, thanks? Marcus pulled out a white cotton bag and handed it to her. I got you a set of dice, he said. Oh, she spilled them out on the table. Pink iridescence shimmered on the map. I love them. Did you know that the oldest known set of dice was excavated in the burnt city of Iran and estimated to be 2,520, between 2,500 and 2,800 years old? Burnt city. What a great name. She rolled the die around in her fingers, obviously taking tactile pleasure in the way they felt and sounded. With an apologetic look to Justin, Marcus said, I also got her a copy of the Player's Handbook, Dungeon Master Guide, all the modules, all the 3.5 books, Monster Manual, the Planar Handbook. She found some Spelljammer and Forgotten Worlds books, so yeah, I'm so sorry. Justin looked bemused. Why? This is amazing. Usually we have to drag people to play with us. She's golden as far as I'm concerned. Marcus is apologizing because I've memorized all the rules in the books and he worries that I'm going to be annoying telling you all the things you're doing wrong. She shot a glance to Marcus, which I totally am going to do, so you're forgiven. However, I read in the DM guide that the rules should be bent when you're trying to create a good story so I shouldn't harass Justin too much. Jesus, breathed Ryan. It's like listening to data from Star Trek. I love it. I was thinking seven of nine, but yeah, said Justin. I told you, said Marcus, or at least I tried to. Okay, seven, said Justin. What's the name of your character? She perked up. It's Lonely, Lonely Deepwell, but that's her human name. She was actually raised by a storm dragon in the waste surrounding Ravnica. Her dragon name is Yutaiko Hayur, but she's not actually a dragon. She's insane. She smiled angelically. Of course she is, muttered Marcus. Well, okay then. Justin coughed a little and opened the module. Shall we get this party started then? I don't see why sex needs to be such a big deal. That's why I hate watching TV and movies. There are always these super, like, candlelit scenes with intense music and perfect bodies. It's just weird. Justin cleared his throat and looked at his character sheet intently. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be special, right? No, it's not. It's supposed to be something fun and messy you do with someone you're attracted to. It's weird to make it so important. Dozura, are you saying that making love to me isn't important? Asked Marcus, laughter in his voice. You sure pestered me enough about it. Yes, and then you fell asleep on top of me. Marcus coughed. Erica, remember what we talked about? Private thoughts versus public thoughts? He felt his face getting very red. Justin looked at him. Almost sympathy might have made it to his face before he said... Maybe Erica just hasn't had good sex since she's stuck with you. Marcus does fine, she said. He follows directions really well. Justin and Ryan burst out laughing, and Marcus held his hand, head in his hands. 
What? she asked innocently. He does. Though he's not very good about studying the lesson plans I leave out. Justin and Ryan howled harder. Please, Erica, stop. I don't need my friends to know how terrible a lover I am. She seemed confused. But you're not terrible. I mean, I think you're a solid average according to that rating scale I looked up with that porn star. The laughter got louder and Justin fell off his chair. But average isn't bad at all. And like I said, you're very open to instruction. Marcus moaned deep in his throat, mortified. Ryan wiped tears from his eyes. Erica, do you have a younger sister by any chance? No. What does that have to do with this conversation? God, she's, she's wonderful, Marcus. Bring her back any time, he said. Justin was laughing so hard there were only tiny squeaks emerging from his mouth as he curled into the fetal position on the floor. Priceless, he managed to gasp out. Thank you, everyone. That is the end of episode seven.